We're talking about over 12,000 already. It really is an ecosystem that's being created. Lots of jobs being supported. This industry, it's growing rapidly. It's about not just what we are in year one, but what we can be in Ontario. And you're talking about within a decade, 22,000 plus jobs being supported by the industry. That's a significant driver of the economy in this province. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Good afternoon, everybody. It's the Gaming News Canada show presented by Ulster, Hoskin, and Harcourt LLP. I'm your host, Steve McAllister, the editor-in-chief of Gaming News Canada. As always, we have a very busy show today. Not as always, we're live from the Metro Toronto Convention Centre at the Canadian Gaming Summit, which wraps up this afternoon. And we're not saving the best for last, we're saving the best for the beginning of the show. And I want to welcome Mitch Davidson, the Chief of Staff for Gaming Ontario. Mitch, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, real pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me. Really happy to do this. And Mitch, I'm going to give props or parlay props, as we always say to you and Martha Otten. It's always nice to have some breaking news when we come to these conferences and not not have to guess what we're going to write about in the newsletter. I sure I passed along the highest of regards from Jeff Sakoni and Dave Briggs and the other guys that covered this story yesterday. iGaming Ontario gave us a peak last week, let us know that there was news coming with an economic impact report of sorts. Uh, iGaming Ontario's commissioned Deloitte Canada to, to issue an economic development report from the first year of Ontario's regulated market. We write about the newsletter today. I'll maybe just start, Mitch, because uh, the conversations that I had yesterday, one of the highlights of this report is the fact that 12,000 full-time jobs have been have been created across the province in the first 14 months of the regulated sports betting and iGaming market. I had a couple of people tell me that they thought that number was a bit high. I, I pushed back on that. I mean, when you look at this industry, we were talking offline here, just not the operators. There's a there's a very robust tech, tech sector, as we've talked about in this, in this forum uh, for two years now. You're looking at compliance people, fintech, legal, finance. If we can just start by you talking a little bit about that 12,000 number. Yeah, yeah. Well, first to say, great coincidence that the Deloitte report came this week, eh? Um, but no, I mean... You know, you are talking uh, here. There's two of us right now who are part of that 12,000, right? Um, this industry, it's it's growing rapidly. It was already here in some respect. You know, we have lots of companies like Rivalry, Ontario-based, uh, the score, obviously. You know, Flutter has quite the office presence in North York. But we've also seen other companies come to Ontario and, and open up here, open up shop, make real investments in people on the ground, points bet open an office, geo-comply. We're talking about not just operators, right? There was this sense that when um, when the industry was was about to be legalized in Ontario, that that these are international companies that are going to come in, they're going to you know um, maybe take money from Ontario players, and they're and they're going to call it a day. And that's not what we've seen. You know, we've seen lots of investment, whether it's in tax firms, accounting firms, uh, you know, legal firms, uh, advertising and media. I think we always talk about that one, but lots lots of jobs being supported and. And we're talking about, you know, over 12,000 already. Uh, it really is an ecosystem that's being created. And, you know, I, I don't think our, our listeners can see it, but here on the floor of the summit, if you look at the booths that are here, they're not operator booths, right? Yeah, there might be one or two, but there's 40 or 50 booths here. And they are all gaming-related suppliers, payment companies, you know, legal firms. These are the ones that are really behind the scenes that are driving the economic investment here that are driving a lot of this figure with Deloitte. Uh, and it really is the story that I think we need to tell. It's, it's, yeah, we've got a record number of operators. We've got a record number of websites. We're 
as I say, you know, the most competitive jurisdiction in North America. But uh, it really is the rest of the ecosystem that's churning here that's that's driving a lot of this economic activity. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, kudos to Jeff Harris and the people at Deloitte. I mean, there's a great graphic that we include in the newsletter this morning. And to just further what you talk about, you know, you're talking about customer service people and engineers, marketing, partnerships, risk and trading services, fraud integrity services. And then there's just some really good news stories that we've talked about and we've reported on GeoComply bringing people from the from the Ukraine, from the Ukrainian operations over to Toronto and giving them a safe place to, to work and live. Uh, PointsBet coming in fairly early in the process and having an office in downtown Toronto with 50 people. I ran into Tony Bruno for Poker Stars on Tuesday afternoon and Tony was telling me they've got Poker Stars has 500 employees now in, in uh, the northeast end of, of, of Toronto. and. Uh, you know, iGaming Ontario, that's a subsidiary of AGCO that was set up when this market uh, was, was being prepared, prepared to open. And we've always talked about that there's this incredibly rich tech hub in this province, whether it's out of the University of Toronto or the University of Waterloo. So that that is a great story for this industry to tell. Yeah, and, and you know, there's also, there's the leads and those partnerships as well, right? So, you know, when we, we talk about the 12,000, I think, you know, you, you named several hundred of them, if not several thousand of them, they're pretty quick. So when you do start to add those numbers together, you, you get there pretty quickly. And what's really exciting about this report, and I think, you know, credit to Martha, credit to our board chair, uh, Dave Forstel, and, and the team at IGO for wanting to tell this story, to be honest, if I can give them a, a quick little shout out for, for putting this initiative together. But it's, it's about not just what we are in year one, but what we can be, what this industry can be in Ontario. And you're talking about, within a decade, 22,000 plus jobs being supported by the industry. You know, that's a significant driver of the economy in this province. And we've seen a lot of change in recent years, people working from home, you know, maybe being able to work anywhere um, outside the borders uh, of Ontario. But here we're talking about over 22,000 jobs potentially in the next decade that are right here at home. And, and when, you know, government made a decision to legalize this market, I think, a lot of people talked about the revenue capture from the gray market. A lot of people talked about player choice and, and what it might mean for, for the amount of regulated games and offerings you can get. Um, a lot of people talked about responsible gambling standards. They didn't necessarily talk about the economic benefits to the province. And so this is one where we really felt we had a role to, to tell because we see it every day. We're living it every day. Um, and, and it really is a, it's an exciting part of, of this initiative. And I think it's a, it's a really successful part of this initiative that really needs to be talked about. I think just one more piece of that job puzzle, Mitch, too, is, uh, you know, responsible gambling is obviously, uh, you know, cent cent front and center to, to a, a successful, sustainable industry. And you look at the Responsible Gambling Council being based here in, in Toronto. Uh, we talked uh, the last few weeks about uh, the importance of third-party research to be done around this industry, especially around the sports betting advertising issue that you alluded to earlier and that that's going to create more jobs um i've had conversations today with with people i was i did an interview on uh, the pat mayo experience this morning talking about if i'm running a sports management program or, or a, uh, a law school or a sports media program uh, i think this industry needs to become part of the curriculum over the next decade because there are going to be as you point out there are going to be additional job opportunities in those sectors yeah, and, and, you know, the report breaks things down into direct, indirect, and induced jobs, which are essentially those directly employed by operators, those who are who are employed in the goods and services that are produced, like, for example, media companies. And then induced would be, um, 
you know, the, the money that those individuals are making, they buy a house, they support a, a realtor, a construction worker, and those sorts of things. So there's lots of spinoff there as well. But, you know, I was worried when we started this report, we were going to see that induced figure be really high and the direct and indirect be a little bit lower. And it's actually the opposite. Like we are seeing real investment in uh, the industry on the ground from operators and from companies that work directly with operators. It's really the positive story we're telling. And, and I think, you know, when it comes to, to RG, we need to do this responsibly, but we're, we're talking about increased in interest in sports, increased interest in, in enrolling in sports and being part of sports leagues and watching our favorite teams. And it, it just kind of has this positive snowball effect. And uh, this just really wanted to round out the conversation. It, it should be noted that this is proprietary model from Deloitte. It's independently done. They've worked with operators, information that we don't see um, to, to, to really paint a picture here. And, and I'm just really excited about what it means for the industry and what it means for Ontario, to be honest with you. I think an important piece of this, and I think maybe I, you know, I along with others may have been a little bit guilty of bearing this in, in our coverage over the last uh, 48 hours. And that's that's the impact of three levels of government, three levels of government benefiting from the money that's coming in through this industry. And we're facing a, a pretty critical time in this country where municipalities are looking for funding for badly needed infrastructure projects. And we have a, a province that's just coming out of a, out of a horrific pandemic. And uh, the federal government, you know, these are, these are challenging economic times. And uh, so any kind of additional tax revenue at any level of the government is, is welcome. But, but you mentioned before we started the show that that's, that's something that uh, you're keenly aware of. Yeah, it's, it's the other big highlight, right? I mean, you know, you kind of the location, 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 jobs, 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 you know, it's the one that everybody focuses in on. But the government revenue really is worth telling the story about. It, it's a big reason why legalization was pursued in the first place. And, and yes, you know, we're talking about $761 million in year one spread over all three levels of government. And that, to me, really is the key. When people talk about this industry, they talk about GGR, and they may talk about the, you know, the roughly 20% that iGaming Ontario takes for the province but they don't talk about the benefits to the provincial government from other forms like sales tax, income taxes from the people employed in the sector. And they don't talk about the benefits to the federal government or to the municipal government. You know, we're talking property taxes being paid by these companies. We're talking income tax and sales taxes that are generating revenue for the federal government to the point where, you know, Deloitte is projecting that, you know, if, if we are able to capitalize on this momentum, we're talking about over $2.1 billion a year generated in tax revenue uh, for all three levels of government. And that's that's money where it is up to those governments to decide what to do with it. But if they want to keep taxes down, if they want to build schools or hospitals, put money into social services, whatever their priority is, whatever um, people need, they can put that money towards helping families, whether you're a, a citizen of Toronto, a citizen of Ontario, a citizen of Canada. You know, you and I know you could be all three at the same time. Uh, but, you, you know, you're going to see benefit from this, whether you're a player or not. And and that's something that really is important. That this is this is sort of a, a rising tide that is lifting all boats here. And it's not just positively affecting the province only. I do want to mention uh, Paul Burns from the Canadian Gaming Association is going to join us later in the hour. Uh, Nick Salsky from Points Bay Canada's promised that he'll stop by. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Uh, Amanda Brewer from Kindred Group may be by. Mitch, you did talk about the fact that there's a 10-year outlook on this report that Deloitte's done on, on your behalf, but you actually are going to revisit the numbers and there is going to be an update in a year's time. Yeah, yeah it's an important uh, piece of the puzzle, right? So first, these are these are goalposts for us now, right? Now we've got a target to work towards. We've got um, a benchmark that has been set and something that we want to achieve in, as an industry. But, you know, uh, I think if we were able to go back in time to this exact summit last year and you said, hey, we would have done... 
uh, 1.4 billion dollars in GGR in the first year and over 36 billion dollars in wagers and, and like uh, Martha Otten, our executive director said in her panel yesterday the first quarter uh, of this year looks to be about three and a half times bigger than the first quarter of last year for us if you would have said those numbers we probably would have been floored and we probably would have said okay that's that's more than we anticipate and so this sector is just rapidly moving the industry is growing there's lots of developments in in media and technology even in uh, in removing barriers uh, you know so we wanted to make sure that we don't just create a snapshot in time and then have it outdated by tomorrow or by next month. So we've actually got Deloitte under contract to, to refresh the proprietary model this time next year to give an update to say, are those numbers changing? Because we want to be held accountable for um, achieving a true target as much as possible. And, and we know that this industry is just so rapidly moving that those jobs numbers could go up those projections for revenue could go up. And so we want to make sure that, that we've got the most recent and, and fresh information. So we're going to be updating that report in a year's time. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, it may be coincidentally timed with a gaming summit or two, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an important part of the work to make sure that we keep pace with an industry that is moving, I think, uh, faster than anybody can really uh, keep their hands on. Just one more question on the report, Mitch, and that's, uh, and I wrote this in the newsletter this morning, is someone who's been in sports journalism for a big chunk of my career. We've covered stories over the years on when cities are bidding for games or someone's trying to bring a, an event to a city. They talk about economic impact and there's sometimes, a, a, or funding for, public funding for an arena downtown. And there's always a bit of eye rolling. So the skeptics in the audience might look at the report and think, okay, there's a bit of uh, hocus pocus or fooling around the numbers there. I think on the other hand, the people that are pretty excited about this report will look at this and people will say, here's yet another example of how this market in Ontario is benefiting the province. If we're the provincial governments in British Columbia, Alberta, and Quebec, how can we look at what's going on in Ontario right now and, and not take a hard look about uh, not necessarily just dragging the Ontario model to those provinces, yeah. but certainly looking at, ha at having a regulated marketplace? Yeah, I mean, I mean, every government in the world and every jurisdiction in the world is competing for jobs and investment, right? And, and what we're saying here today is by doing this, by making this decision, by government taking these bold initiatives to, to legalize and regulate the, the digital gaming market in Ontario, they've captured a good amount of that. Um, and they can continue to capture that. There's still more work to do. Other provinces, I would say, you know, can look at this report and can say, can we experience similar benefit? And now they have a, they may have an idea of what the full picture might be instead of just the GGR or, or just the revenue. But, you know, I, I, I want to address what you pointed out about some of the skepticism. You see these big numbers and you think, oh, geez, like, um, you know, it's, it starts with a B, of course it does, you know, but we, we were aware of that. And, and I'd say, you know, our GDP figure in this report, it's about 1.58 billion in year one and goes up to 4.7 billion or so by the end of the decade. Um, well, you know, in that GDP figure, it's a combination of labor income. So what companies are physically paying people, um, it's, it's, uh, their taxes that they're paying, which includes, you know, our portion of GGR as I go and it's operator profit. And I, and I want to be very clear about that. It's operator profit, not operator revenue, because the GDP contribution in year one is about 1.58 billion. We did 1.4 billion in GGR. So we didn't inflate those numbers. Deloitte was very professional about this, wanted to make sure they gave a real accurate capture, put forward a number that is actually very representative of the economic activity that's being generated, not the revenue, the profit. 
and so part of that is we do see operators, uh, you know, with with plans to uh, to accelerate profit timelines or to, you know, you report a lot about this about uh, the push to profitability, and we expect that to happen here in Ontario, and it's captured within these numbers. So to those who might have some questions about it, I encourage you to, to go take a look at the the report. It's on our iGaming Ontario website under the news section, and and you know we just really wanted to create. Uh, uh, the most accurate picture possible. If that's other provinces, this government, companies, media that want to look into it and and want to know, we want to tell them what the true story is. And, and this this is what it is. And we're we're really excited and proud of what we've done so far and and where we have room to grow and where we can be. Just one last question, Mitch. I really appreciate you coming over today. I know it's been a, a crazy week for you and Martha and everybody else. I think we're all looking forward to sleeping in our own beds beds tonight and getting a normal night's sleep. But just uh, the reaction and the comments. I mean, we're we're 14 months into this industry now. Uh, when we met uh, this conference a year ago, we were less than two months into the market. What, what are the conversations and what what's the reaction that you're getting? Again, to your point, not just from operators, but when we look around this uh, this floor of the Venture Toronto Convention Center, we see suppliers and and uh, legal companies and and consultants and other stakeholders in the industry. What what have some of your those conversations that you've been? Yeah, I mean. So first, from from the companies we work most directly with, like operators and so, I mean, you know, we, we've got, uh, you heard Martha say it and, and Tom Mungham say it uh, in their panel, we launched with a, a most viable product uh, and a minimal viable product in some circumstances. And there's a lot of work we can do, right, related to automation, centralized self-exclusion, some of these, these, uh, these policies and programs that we've committed to that we're working on. So, you know, really encouraging conversations, glad that they're in person, I got to be honest. Um, but encouraging conversations to help grow the industry. And then um, the other thing I'd point to is, is just the excitement. You know, I, I watched uh, the, the Camby Sportsbook Festival of, of sports betting stuff they do online, and they were kind of going jurisdiction by jurisdiction. And they said, you know, Ontario is one of the most competitive jurisdictions in the world. We're 14, 15 months in. We've got more operators than New Jersey. They've been, they've been around for a decade or more, right? We're talking about one of the most competitive landscapes uh, in in. I won't go so far as the world, but I will say in North America, in only 15 months' time. And, you know, that really is, it's a credit to the operators. It's a credit to the players, to be honest. Uh, and it's a credit to the government that's made this decision as well. We at iGaming Ontario, um, we're just trying to do our best to keep pace. And, and I think with uh, our regulatory partners and our other partners, like the operators that are sitting across from me now who have joined <laughs> us at the table, uh, you know, it, it seems to be going pretty well. And, and we would just want to keep this momentum up. The, the report's kind of a, a nice... Uh, a nice benchmark of that and a nice uh, uh, milestone for where we want to be uh, 10 years time when, uh, when we're doing this podcast again and who knows I mean we'll probably do it a few times before that but Boy, 10 years time I may be in a locker Mitch <laughs> I heard it Mitch isn't doing the podcast again for 10 years you heard yeah, it here yeah. first it's an exclusive that's right I was just going to say that Mitch Davidson the chief of staff for Agony Ontario Mitch is, this is long overdue I think I've been bugging you or, or politely bugging you uh, since we started on Clubhouse back in, in 2021 that we need to get you on the show at some point. But uh, in all seriousness, we we really appreciate the uh, the time and the insight that, that you and Martha have provided us at, at conferences and where we have a chance to have conversations in the hallway. And I do, I do hope that this is a start where we can, we can get you and Martha to join us on the show, uh, you know, once in a while because you do bring so much value and, and really appreciate your insights. Yeah, really appreciate the opportunity. Happy to do it. I mean, she said, uh, you got to hit the ground running and, and every day we get more comfortable, we learn more and, you know, you've seen us release more in our quarterly reports. So we want to be open and transparent about what this market is doing and, and uh, it helps Ontario tell the story. It helps companies make investment here. So 
uh, yeah, I think we're, we're happy to do this again, and uh, we'll probably get Martha in the chair beside you this time too. But uh, yeah, we're just really excited, and uh, thanks for making the opportunity. Well, I'm just thankful, Steve, and some of the other folks within the industry are for the work that you and Martha's done. Operators like us are even more thankful. So if it wasn't for the work that you guys did clearing the way to create the competitive landscape that uh, that has evolved, we wouldn't be testing and trying to be better and think smarter like we are right now. So cheers, man. Well, I'll, I'll get out of your hair so you can say the bad things. I was going to say, Mitch, like that, that's Nick Salski from Points by Canada who almost never delivers a compliment. So I don't know if there's, <laughs> there's been some money involved here or, or Nick's just feeling good because the conference is almost over. But uh, but yeah, I think Nick, Nick echoes what a lot of the operators and people in the business uh, feel. And the folks at the AGCO and IGO have been extremely professional in, in uh, the dealings with us. And, and yeah, we always like to have more transparency. And as we always say, it's, this industry is still in diapers, basically. And, and we we're excited about the continued evolution of it. For sure. Great. Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate the time. Great conversation. And that is a really, really great of Mitch to, to drop by. I know it's a busy week for him. A word from our sponsor. The Gaming News Canada Show is presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt, LLP. Osler's gaming practice has the insight needed to help clients navigate the complex and evolving landscape of the gaming industry. Osler's position as a trusted advisor in the gaming industry has been built over years of service to operators, suppliers, and gaming authorities. Visit osler.com slash gaming for more information. That's O-S-L-E-R dot com forward slash gaming. Now back to the show. Nick, we're going to get Amanda over here in a second as well as Paul Burns, but just your thoughts. Like, it's funny, you've been at a lot more conferences than I have. You were in uh, Cleveland, I think, earlier this week for the Sports and Gaming Association Conference where you're, you're a member of the Board of Directors. It does feel like there is a different vibe at this summit this year than last year. I, I, my sense is that there is some some excitement, and it, it does almost feel like uh, like being uh, being part of the home team and, and being in your own arena and... and uh, Someone mentioned that there's maybe not the buzz that you get at other conferences where you have 20,000 people or whatever, but it, to me it's almost that there's a true, there's a real Canadian feeling there. So people are happy to run each, each other, have the conversations, and, and uh, you know, I think the show's been an overwhelming success. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I got back from Cleveland uh, for, at the FSGA concert kind of mid-afternoon yesterday, and I think what struck me about the conference this year in relation to last year is last year we all still didn't really know anything, right? The market had just opened. And now we know a little bit. So I think what I'm, what I'm seeing around the room is now we actually have insight. We actually have things that we can, we can learn that is based in actual data, an actual um, you know, one year of operations or one year plus of operations. So I think this, this, as much as last year was exciting and it was smart and it was fun, this year, I find it more, it's more thoughtful, it's more insightful because we all have something to actually talk about as opposed to just big ideas and hopes for what the, what the Ontario kind of industry could evolve to be. Amanda Brewer from Kinder Group's joining us, and Nick, I'm going to get your thoughts on this too, but I'll start with Amanda. We just had Mitch on, and, and as two operators, I'd love to give your thoughts on the report that came out yesterday and, and having had a chance to digest it probably just a little bit because I know you've both been really busy the last two days, but just some general thoughts. I'm delighted to see that it validates and proves all that we thought was possible about the market. And when we sat here a year ago and talked about 
the economic benefits that would spill over into the greater Ontario economy when you look at the government's mandate for opening up this market as well. Um, I think this report is an absolute you know, validation of all of those things. So I was very pleased to see it. And especially if you start looking very optimistically at the five and 10 year productions, especially what the jobs will be doing here. Um, we had a really great discussion earlier today at the iGaming Operators Roundtable about now looking to pivot and invest in colleges and universities and training, maybe even running a jobs fair here or, you know, starting to invest collective, collectively into a co-op training program so that we can ensure that you know, we are, are cultivating that next generation of talent to work here because the other thing that report proved is these are good paying jobs in this industry as well. They're far above the, the average for, for jobs in this province. So, yeah, it was a really nice report to get. Something, Nick, I mentioned, uh, Mitch and I were talking and, I, you know, I had a couple of people yesterday <laughs> raise a spocking eyebrows, Bob McCallan says, about the 12,000 jobs. And I, I pushed back right away on that. I can, uh, you know... Maybe maybe I'm naive, but I can easily see twelve thousand jobs being created in this industry so far. Well, yeah, because when people think about the number of jobs in the industry, it's not just with operators like uh, you know Kindred and OpenBet and or Unibet and and PointsBet. It's with payment process. There's so many vendors within the ecosystem that need to come to the table to support. And I think with the report, and as you said, I I, I read it quite briefly. But the reality is you can't, you can't build a house without a foundation. And I think what that report has shown is we now have a foundation to build a big freaking house on. And, you know, the other thing that I took from the report, and I'll be the one to say it, I don't know if someone else has said it, is hopefully now the other provinces are going to see what year one has, has uh, built in Ontario. And now there's a proof point for what could be. And let's face it, as much as we're all excited about what's happening in Ontario, we're all very excited about what might be next because we're not, we're Canadian. We're not just Ontarians. Uh, Except for Floridian or yeah, Las so Vegas boy over we're just, here. We are going to bring in friend of the show, principal of Avenue H Capital, Bon Vivant. Is there anything else I'm missing there, Benji? No, Benji, you covered it all. Benji, <laughs> Benji Cherniak. And Benji, we are just talking about the, the economic the impact report that delivered yesterday. Just... Uh, any any thoughts from you about the about the report? Anything stuck out? Reaction to it? I mean, I think I just heard a few comments from Nick as I was sitting down here, and I concur with all of them. Really, very positive. A lot of positives. Uh, didn't read it in much detail yet. I still need to. But you know, the number of folks that are being employed is a significant number, and benefits to the Ontario economy. The median salaries are very strong and favorable. Um, they were really all positive metrics, and to, to, to the point that Nick made earlier, it does send a message to the rest of Canada that there are some significant economic benefits, and we've seen some stuff in the media about some of the negatives of the industry, and there are things that we need to tighten up and correct moving forward, but it's nice to see a report that really accentuates some of the positives for, for, for individuals, livelihoods, and, and a career path for folks in Canada and within Ontario. One uh, one word that I've heard a lot the last two days is Alberta, and uh, just talking to some people today, I think Nick, I may be talking to you about this, is is that wishful thinking on people's part, or, or is there a sense this week just having the industry together and talking about, you know, with this Deloitte report, and I'll start with you, Amanda, like, is there 
a little bit more optimism now that Ontario is not going to be alone when it comes to regulated marketplaces in Canada? I think I'm naturally an optimistic person, Steve. <laughs> I work in this industry. Um, no, in all seriousness, the thinking has always been it'll be a matter of when, not if, another province will follow. We know that each province has gone and had their individual conversations with both AGCO and IGO. Um, we know they've been watching what's been going on this first year in Ontario. The sky has not fallen in. The swarm of locusts have not descended. And I think the Deloitte report is just that little bit of cherry on the top. So to Benji's point, yes, you know, we're a year in. Now's a really good time to, you know, kind of take a deep collective breath. We can now look at a whole bunch of different metrics. There are some things that we have to collectively adjust in this market. But I think it gives very strong evidence that the Ontario model works. It's not to say the Ontario model should be replicated identically in every province, but I think it's a great foundation for other provinces to then take and adapt as they need to in their province. So Alberta, I'd love to see Alberta go next. Yeah, Nick? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I'll add to Amanda, because I agree with everything that she said, is when you open up a market to private operators and, 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 a, and a good sizable group of private operators, what that does is it drives the industry forward through innovation, through being better, through being creative. We can't be lazy in Ontario. So where a lot of people shine a light on the competitive nature of the industry and how hard that must be for operators, I actually like the challenge. I like the idea that we all have to work. We all want to be better. We're driving each other to be better. So I think that what we've seen in Ontario actually provides a really great foundation once again to make the experience for the sports fan even better because ultimately we're all here for the consumer. So who better to drive a better consumer experience than all of us looking at what each other is doing and trying to get better for the consumer, safer for the consumer, more responsible for the consumer. And that's what we're learning here that hopefully can get replicated. Benji, you're a, you're a man of international mystery. You, you're all over the world. And, and again, you're your business takes you outside of Canada. Like, are people you talking to? Are they looking at Alberta? Or are they? Are they do you off? You get bombarded with questions. Okay, Ontario's regulated now. What's who's next? Uh, to be honest, when I'm outside of Canada, I don't get bombarded with that many questions regarding what specifics are, are happening on a province by province basis in Canada. But look, you know, when you coming back to that report and the impact of it and. It's not just the operators. Sure, the operators want to see more provinces open, as many as possible, for the benefit of being able to grow their brands uh, nationally. But it's not just the operators. It's the operators' partners. It's the media companies that they partner with. It's the brands that they partner with that have clientele outside of Ontario. Look, Ontario is the biggest province in Canada, and, and we have some real positive momentum after one year and some real benefits that are tangible. But those benefits become much more tangible if we're in it together. And the more provinces that come on board, the more that these economies of scale can work in everyone's benefit. You know, I, I mentioned that this this event's kind of a kumbaya moment for the industry this week, and, and you know, maybe turn sober for a second. And and uh, I think we've kind of beaten the sports betting advertising issue to death. And and uh, the, the latest news I heard was that the agency is going to come up with something by the end of the, the end of the month. So I guess what are we? Uh, the 15th couple of weeks couple yeah. of weeks so uh are there any you know areas amanda of concern or, or conversations that you have where where there's some potential red flags or, or things that, that would like would like to get fixed or, or at least move in a certain direction 
I'm going to answer the question a bit differently because I think from the moment this industry launched, the operators have behaved responsibly. And I can unequivocally say there's not a single operator here who's trying to attract underage gamblers to their platforms, full stop. Where I think there's the need for more work is actually in public education because if you look at the media reports that have been written, like clearly there's a disconnect between the reality and the perception of what we're doing here. And the sheer fact when it comes to the advertising is there's an entire ecosystem of stakeholders that work together to get those ads on air. And it's a mixture of the AGCO and the IGO and Think TV and the operators and the ad agencies and the leagues and the broadcasters. All these groups have to come together in order to get one television ad on the air. And I think we haven't done a good enough job at explaining how there's a whole bunch of us who come together in this market because we are all very interested in creating a sustainable, responsible, long-term market in Ontario. So when we get the AGCO's decision, I expect there's going to be some things taken out. I expect we may still see some consultation on some other things. But I think it kind of behooves all of these stakeholders to come together to find solutions for making sure we don't go through this together. Because we're not operating independently of, of each other, we're operating together in this. Yeah, uh, I think I, again, couldn't agree with Amanda more. This isn't just about the regulator. It's about the whole entire ecosystem. And I'm a, I think we're all big proponents of level playing fields. So I'll say it again, the thing that I want to see is if they're going to uh, if they're going to install some stricter regulations by way of advertising to iGaming operators, I hope that the industry as a whole decides to also address .NET advertising and the fact that there are unlicensed, I'll say it again, black market operators who are advertising on mainstream Canadian media while we as the regulated operators are... Uh, are facing a challenge. So I hope that it provides us the launch pad or the opportunity to have that topic of conversation also put on the table. Because if not, there's still going to be challenges. It's an interesting commentary, and it can take us off on an entirely different <laughs> when you start talking about you know, the black market operators and gray market operators in Canada and and the structure of how the Canadian market ruled out is so different from the structure of what I saw in the U.S. And, and as you allude to, having some regulation that comes into effect, that comes into an effect, none of this is surprising from the perspective of you launch something, you have a year to get things going, you need to make some changes. There's a regulatory body that's responsible for making those adjustments. And a couple of things: number one, you don't want to be prisoner of the moment. Year one is year one. Right? Things are going to play out over time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And you need to do some tinkering, and that tinkering is going to get done. But you don't want to be overreactive to some initial findings or some initial things that you're seeing, number one. And to your point, number two, the framework in Canada, as it pertains to what, the way that the gray market was in some ways embraced in terms of being able to flip a switch into the regulated space, is a very unique dynamic. And I think that to your point, addressing some of the specifics that you allude to is probably long overdue. Let's talk about Nick. Before you leave, I was just about the the summit this week, and you know, this is the first year SBC is running it. Um, Bob McFarland and Sue Schneider and uh, Christian Robolino and, and the team was here last year to kind of take a look at the summit. 
and just some thoughts on the changes that SPC have made and, and just your general feelings about, about the summit. I mean, I think comparing comparing this year to last year, um, I mean, I think one, obviously it was, it's amazing that there isn't two competing conferences at the same time. I'll say it, right. It's nice that we're all here together and, you know, similar to, I'll make, I'll draw the analogy to the Ontario market. We've learned after year one and we're going to make year two even better. So I think this being kind of year one officially of SPC being exclusive within, within Toronto and in Canada, I, I've seen a, uh, an amazing steps forward, and what I'm excited to see is how we take this year and make it even better for next year. So I, I know, I mean, kudos, and my hat's off to, and my hat is actually off today. So, <laughs> and, and we can see that by the glare. So, uh, <laughs> I, I gotta get Amanda in here because I know Amanda; she's probably hugged every SBC member here this week, and and uh, you know, I don't see uh, I don't see bags under Amanda's eyes like we probably did a year ago, and I'm sure you and Paul Burns are going to send Dennis and the rest of the SBC team flowers and chocolates and champagne and everything else when this week's over. Well, how did you know, Steve? Yes, uh, Paul and I spoke actually um, last week, and never have we been more relaxed. So <laughs> that's a testament to how wonderful it's been to have SBC come in. This whole summit feels more professional, more elevated you know, more sophisticated. Um, people here look happy. There's all kinds of conversations going on. I have a colleague here from Alta and she was amazed at how much business happens during the networking parties. Cause that's not how it, it's experienced over the other side of the world. So all that to say is I think everyone's having a fabulous time. The only thing I would improve next year is the weather. That's it. Everything else is perfect. I don't know if Devs can control that. Hey, Benji, you're you're a veteran. You probably have enough of those lanyard, lanyards to fill two or three condos in Las Vegas. But just some general thoughts from you on the conference. Look, any, any chance we have an opportunity to get together face-to-face -to -face with Amanda, Nick, yourself, and Dennis is a win in my books. But, uh, no, look, I think that, you know, Amanda, you were involved in organizing this event for a number of years alongside Paul. You guys did a fantastic job with it. But at the end of the day, being able to bring the SBC brand into the mix with everything that they represent as it pertains to this industry globally and being able to bring that years of experience and expertise in event management and into Canada is a big win. Uh, and this is year one and next year will be year two. It'll be that much better than it was this year, but this was the biggest and best I've seen thus far. And, and you know, there were meaningful conversations being had here that I think will help move the needle are the number of the topics that you're discussing here uh, on this podcast, as well as the number of topics that you are in. That's a great segue, Benji. I may have to give you a co-host. A word from our sponsor. GBG are global leaders in digital identity, fraud prevention, and compliance solutions that help operators to increase player acquisition rates, reduce fraud, and stay on the right side of market regulations. In fact, 60% of gaming brands who hold a license in the province of Ontario are already working with GBG. Visit gbgplc.com for more information on GBG services. Now back to the show. I want to grab a few minutes for Dennis Allgreen from, from SBC. And yeah, Dennis, just to pass along with Benji and, and uh, Mandibles, I'll say congratulations to you and, and Bob and Sue and everybody else on a, on a just a terrific, uh, terrific conference. A lot of work goes into this, but I know... Uh, conversations we've had with the SBC team over the past two years is they were excited about coming to Toronto and being able to put the SBC stamp on this summit. 
Yeah, of course. I mean, look, this has been an established event for many, many years. We, we've all have had contextually little context as to what the exact format was and what was some of the concerns. Now we actually have a chance to get that feedback from directly so that we can also have a look at, okay, how, where can we take this? Because obviously I'm really pleased and thank you very much for the, for the praise, um, but it is important that we keep focus on how can we improve. Now we've got context, now we've got feedback. We've learned things both about the area, the venue, the audience, everybody. I think we've got a really good foundation. I think that's the most important thing, right? We've got full conference rooms. We've got excellent traffic and engagement. We more than doubled the attendance from the year before. Those are just the foundation. And now we need to then build on that as the market grows, emerges further. There's so much potential, right? Yeah, I think the one thing that blew me away yesterday were the conference rooms and how full the panels were. And, you know, moderating a panel, you know, usually when I moderate a panel, nobody shows up. And the fact that the, the rooms for the both where both panels were full is a testament to the to the panelists, but uh, and I think it, it speaks to the topics too. People people were highly engaged in the topics and wanted to hear from from the uh, the experts. I just wondered, Dennis, can you share maybe one or two lessons learned or the feedback you've gotten with with Benji, Amanda, and, and the audience and myself? I think um, right now the, the, it, it has to do a little bit where the market is as well. Right? The market is is still in an, in an, let's call it information gathering phase where there's a lot of learning to be done, which is also why conferences are pivotal for that part. And then what we will probably see as more parts of the market opens up, then there becomes an increasing focus on the commercial opportunities. That's usually how it goes. And we've seen the same with our event in, in New Jersey, with North America. That's usually how it goes. So th that's one of the things that we are ready for and need to be ready for and make sure that we've got both the growth in, in size and scope for this ready for that, but also that we take care that the, those are, you know, the quality in that cannot be jeopardized as we scale. That's right. kind of one of the things. I think, Amanda, something that you and I talk about on, on these Thursday afternoon chats a lot is, is the number of conferences. And, uh, you know, we've kind of gone over two years from being in COVID and looking forward to actually getting back on a plane and, and getting out to, uh, to see people at a conference. Uh, then we get to the point where, you know, Benji, I don't know how many conferences you've been to this year. Uh, would a dozen be a fair estimate or is it a little bit lower, a little bit lower than that? Amanda, like I think we, we sometimes talk that there is a little bit of conference fatigue, but Dennis was uh, bending my ear yesterday, and as soon as he mentioned Barcelona, I thought, well, okay, well, one, one more conference may not may not be a bad idea, but I did want to give you, Dennis, a couple of minutes to talk about uh, about SBC's plans for Barcelona in, in September, and luckily, I think Paul Burns will concur, too. I think we get a bit of a breather now from conferences, and, and Barcelona in September may not sound too bad. Yeah, I mean, Barcelona is obviously, that's our global staff. That's our, our staff at a global flagship event where we can gather also sometimes the different uh, geographies because oftentimes there are lessons to be learned. There are partnerships to explore across uh, the, the bigger gaps as well. And I think that's what Barcelona can offer, right? So Barcelona is our way of saying the quality that we feel we can bring to these events, we can also scale up to 10,000 delegates and still do it to that level. I think that's what Barcelona is for us. That's our way of saying, okay, this is a more of a commercial focus, which means that it's an exhibition floor with 300 exhibitors. So, you know, hopefully one day we'll see that here, but, you know, that, that needs to grow with the market as well. Well, we're going to bring Paul Burns, the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association, in here. And, Paul, you're, you're someone who does the conference circuit. And, and 
The one thing I will say is I, again, I'm the I'm the the rookie of the group, or I, I guess maybe maybe a sophomore now, two years into this business. But I, every conference I go to is it's meeting it's meeting a few more people, learning a, a few more businesses, uh, being becoming a little bit smarter for these for these forums from sitting in a couple of uh, panels. And so it's it's hard not to when a conference comes up. It's hard to say no, isn't it? Uh, it is sometimes, and you know I've spent a lot of time in the last two years making a point of going places to talk about the Ontario market because I'm proud of what's being done. Uh, thrilled being able to go and tell people the experience uh, that we're having and companies have been having because you know. And then the nice part about it is is more recently it's. Others are doing that because they're here, and like in SBC North America, we heard the CEOs of FanDuel and BetMGM and Rush Street talk from the podium about Ontario, and um, that's been, it's, it's catching on and people are understanding, and so that's great. I use them as a chance to visit with our membership, to see people, to, uh, and the Canadian Gaming Summit is always um, great because it's a bit like a family reunion. You know, we get Benji to come back and he goes to Montreal and sees his parents and we get other people like to come home and, you know, there's lots of Canadians living abroad who have worked in these, um, in the industry and so it is, um, it's important for good connection. You'll always learn something uh, or find something out that you may not have found out otherwise and uh, that's why it's, um, we're a very social industry, let's be honest. And we're in the entertainment business and people like to gather and, and connect. So keep providing opportunities. Just to make, you know, like we sometimes forget and Paul makes a good point and he talks about the CEOs of some of the leading companies in our space at various conferences putting Ontario front and center in terms of what their plans are as an organization. And this is narrative. Like people forget, like... Ontario is within North America in terms of population. I think the number four markets in North America, if I'm not mistaken, Toronto is a major league city that we're in over here, and it's it's a significant market. So all of that was with Marin. I know I'm a bit off topic as it pertains to the Kumbaya moment, but I just wanted to kind of point that out here. And that's true. I mean, the AGCO was an award winner this week from the North American Gaming Regulators, again, pointing out their work they've done. Um, and so it's nice people are noticing it's, um, and, you know, there's more work to do, but when you get out in these opportunities is to, you know, for people to share. And we've, we're hearing it, the, the message is getting spread far and wide, and the experience has been good. I want to make sure, while Dennis is still here, Paul, I, I mentioned to Amanda that she probably has already sent flowers and chocolates and champagne to the people at SBC because <laughs> you both of you look a little bit more rested this week than I think you, you did this time last year when we had a similar conversation. Is that is that a fair comment? Oh, yes, that is a fair comment. No, it's um, it was a, one of the decisions the association board made in wanting to divest of the Canadian Gaming Summit was it's not our core business. Um, we've got lots of other things to do that are important for the industry and we went out and sought out uh, and asked those in the space that know it well and SBC knows it very well and it's worked all over the world in just gaming and the other the benefits especially tying into what's happened here in Ontario and we see from the attendance here and the supplier network that's 
I was close to 100 suppliers are registered with AGCL. Like, there's a lot of volume coming through this marketplace. But SBC also has a global reach, and they help us tell our story all over the world. And that's the other side, and that's part of where I keep harassing Dennis, who's standing next to me here, about why we got to keep telling our stories and how we can take Canadian voices abroad. We can take Canadian uh, suppliers and others to different markets through this relationship we build. And that's why it was important when the board made the decision to do execute the, the sale to SBC, there was two things. One, a commitment to a Canadian show and to the ability of a global reach to tell our industry stories and promote our market all over the world. This, uh, the Gaming News Canada shows you the uh, shameless plug-free zone, Dennis, but we're going to make a, a very rare exception here. We're going to let you, uh, we'll give you, we'll give you 20 seconds to plug SBC Barcelona. Well, I think, I think Paul kind of already said it. The thing is that there's always a benefit to a collaborative nature of the industry. There's always a benefit to learn across the Atlantic or across the Pacific. It doesn't matter. There is teachings we can teach each other. You know, obviously the European markets are, are much more mature, which means that there are people there that have both the experience, but also now the need to diversify and see new ideas, right? And that's how we do that, is by getting together. So that, that's the point of the global shows, is that we want something dedicated like this one for a specific market. It's important that we can sit down and just focus talks to the people we want to talk to here and now. And then what something like Barcelona offers are maybe more widespread, both kind of commercial, but also collaborative opportunities. And I think it's important for us that all the markets are, are on there, that the stakeholders are there. Um, we have a, an SBC Leaders Summit that precedes the Barcelona Summit, where we are literally inviting the, the 100 biggest CEOs you can imagine in the industry for the same reason, right? You share experiences. Um, and. and then the, usually the commercial opportunities end up coming out of that anyway. So I think that's the, that's the, the key kind of point. And then I think Barcelona will do that better than anything else. It's a great place to go. I, if I'm really honest, right? As a, for, for a marketing person, that's a gracious thing to have to market because Barcelona is an excellent destination. It's very popular. Weather will be fantastic, hopefully. Um, because you're right, Amanda, that's probably the one thing we can never really guarantee, but we could do our best. Um, and then I think, you know, we make sure that the, the uh, Barcelona event has a scalability that means there are options for everybody, but at the same time, it's also a lot easier to navigate than, say, some of its counterparts that are of that scale because of the zones concept. So you can walk in, and if you're specific interested in iGaming, fine. There's a specific zone and a corresponding conference track just for that. It makes it a little bit easier to navigate, and that's across the five zones. And last one, Des, what's the date for the conference? The 19th, 21st of September in Barcelona. Okay, so Benji put that in your Google calendar right away. That's uh, Dennis Allgreen, the marketing director from SBC. Again, Dennis, congratulations to you and everybody at SBC this, this week. And uh, uh, we look forward to doing this Gaming News Canada show from Barcelona come September. Sounds good. Fantastic. Thanks, Dennis. I want to get Paul back here. And, and Paul, we've had a chance to talk to, uh, to Benji and Amanda. Nick Salski was by earlier. Mitch Davidson talk about the... Uh, the IGO report this week, and, and I'll, I'll just get you first uh, to your reaction on the report and what came out yesterday. Well, I think it's it's a great now piece of evidence, so I think that we all realize what's happening. Um, one of the pieces, and I talked about in panels yesterday, and Mitch and others may have talked about this earlier, um, was we knew there's a lot of activity already here. 
this was the home of poker stars from 20 plus years. This is a home for many companies that were. Then we, we saw the the rivalries and the and the scores and you know the geo complies and the payment industry that's grown out of Montreal. Like Canada's been full of participants in this marketplace in the iGaming marketplace, but being able to now capitalize on really the the attributes of the Ontario, which is huge access to human capital, lots of talented people that are here. Um, capital markets. And Danny Lucan was part of the summit this week talking about the TSX Venture and the TSX Exchange and access to capital markets. That's where companies like Fans Unite and Playmaker and all others are growing up from. You guys will be there one day probably too. It's going to be a... And you add in the regulatory regime as sort of the last tick of the box. When you said this to... I'd always have to, with many ministers and politicians I talked to through the consultation process, it was the, well, we talked about market, we talked about dynamic of, of regulating this. And I would go, hang on, there's one more thing I want to talk about. And you know, you're going to create a lot of jobs and you're going to build an industry. And that's what's showing up in this in a very early way. But it can be more because we have a lot of positive attributes. I, from uh, the co op programs and actually university students of enormous talent. University of Guelph is here at the show. I had two emails from the University of Waterloo because someone must have told somebody this week what I was talking about today, um, asking about where can we connect to the industry so our co-op students can get jobs. All of this is creating, I'm talking to a post-secondary institution who wants to look at sports data analytics as a program. Um, there is, it's created a lot of conversations. Um, a lot of people just say, well, it bought a lot of ads. No, it's done a whole lot more than that in terms of creating economic activity and value-add activity. And that's something we're just getting started. And and it's not, and it can't, it doesn't have to be just Ontario because there are these great pockets of expertise and people doesn't, don't know the businesses that have been running out of Vancouver or other parts of the country for decades um, and supporting the iGaming industry and the gaming industry at large. So there's suppliers and operators in its really dynamic market that now we're getting to shine a light on. I want to ask the three of you, and, and uh, Amanda, I'll start with you. And, and it almost, listen to Paul, it feels like this week is a bit of a watershed moment where the where the IGO report kind of crystallizes what's, what's going on here, uh, you know, new dynamic to this summit. And is, is this the case where the three of you, 20 years from now, will sit and look at your scrapbook? I guess it'll be a virtual scrapbook, and you'll see pictures from this conference, and you'll you'll say to yourselves, "Yeah, that was that was a special week, or that was a, that was a week that was a big moment for for this industry and for what the three of us have been involved in for two decades plus." That would be lovely. I hope I'm on a beach in Barcelona by that point in time, with doing a podcast with you then, Steve. Um, I think you know we were talking about which other province will go next and you know just kind of just picking up all the threads of everything we've, we've spoken about already you know Benji's talking about other provinces going so there can be economies of scale and there can be all kinds of really great opportunities that can get shared across those borders I think for me you know don't be surprised if that economic development report gets sent far and wide across this province and if we are able to then maybe look at that and say that has now moved the needle for, you know, a premier, an attorney general, a minister of finance in a province to say, you know what, we can't ignore this anymore. 
So I think more than likely, you know, my hope is that that kind of conversations will start happening in the next couple of weeks because of what Ontario now has been able to very solidly demonstrate. Benji? Yeah, no, I think that it's kind of hard to look 20 years out as to what's going on. But if you look more at the here and now and, and relate it back to that report and some of Paul's commentary with some of the schools and programs that they're looking to open up to, to allow people to immerse with their talent in, in a way that benefits this industry in a meaningful way for all the stakeholders, you know, it, it is a new industry. It's a new opportunity. And, you know, it's not that dissimilar from in the U.S. And I've used the analogy before, but it used to be that if you said you work in, you know, sports betting type industry, you know, your parents would look at you and think that you're working for the corner street bookie that breaks people's legs. And maybe they'd have been right five or 10 years ago, but you know, now it's a new, it's a new playing field. And for young people who are graduating from, you know, U of T or McMaster or University of Alberta or McGill or wherever, you know, they can go work for a marketing agency and they can go to law school and, you know, they can, they can, go work in, in marketing and there's all sorts of opportunities out there in this world and work for a bank in finance and there's a new one now you can go work for a sports engagement slash real money gaming company and and, and and get involved in that side of the business and be it within trading or marketing or customer service and you know there's going to be more and more of that moving forward so it's just a great opportunity for young people who, who have a passion for sports and who want to make a contribution going forward. I do want to ask you, Paul, uh, I did walk by the Canadian Gaming Association room on Tuesday afternoon and I was tempted to poke my head in, but then I didn't want to have the uh, security guard tackling Adam Hadwin situation occur on my on my first day at the summit, so I just kept on walking. But uh, anything you can relay from, from the meetings that you've had this week with the membership? No, it's, you know what, it's, there's, there's a, a, obviously a, a myriad of issues we're now in the process of talking on, more, but the advertising consultation with the AGCO. Oh. I go through recent consultations with operators, and there was Mark Rotten. And uh, is this a podcast? Yes. yes. And uh, so it's been busy on that. And the government of Canada is, is opening up a consultation now on revamping Canada's anti-money laundering legislation. The industry will be very, very active in working with them to uh, modernize what has become very quickly an antiquated piece of legislation. Um, and so, yeah, there's not a Really, no end to work on the horizon, which is great um, for associated. But you know what it is: everybody's uh, the industry and the membership are understanding. Everybody leans in and wants to help, and that's one thing that's I don't have to ask twice. Um, and I've gotten members bringing issues to our table, and 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 for the collectiveness of everybody um, signing on, we'll do, we got lots of things to do, so it'll be fun. I've got to get Martha Otten from the executive director of iGaming Ontario just dropped by and, and, and prompt to. And Martha, I just want some general thoughts. Just the, the week for you, I mean, I know we were talking about the number of conferences that take place and people stopping by these conferences. And, and just for you, what, what do these events allow, allow you to do and, and, and kind of what are your priorities when you attend these conferences? Uh, sure. And, you know, always great to have an event in Toronto and for us in particular because it allows us to bring a fair number of staff from iGaming Ontario to meet uh, with individuals and see what's new in the marketplace. Uh, for me, it's been chock full of meetings with um, operators. So we're dealing with 45 operators in the market right now. Um, the majority of them are based in Ontario and a lot of them are here uh, for the gaming show. So I've been able to meet with them 
on a one-on-one face-to-face basis, which, you know, does kind of replace the uh, Teams meetings we've been having over the past two years. And just quickly, uh, you know, we're 14 months in this marketplace now, I'm sure for you, much different than a year ago when this market was less than two months uh, two months old and you showed up at this summit and, and uh, I'm sure that your shoulders are probably a little bit sore from all the pats on the back this week that people are really excited about this marketplace. Yeah, it's, you know, this has been such a fabulous experience for me to be part of this and um, we released, as you know, the economic development report yesterday that just demonstrates not only what I consider success in bringing operators into the market, but also the spillover effect, positive effect it's had economically on the province and something that we hope will continue in the coming years. Uh, that's Martha Otten from the iGaming Ontario. Martha, I, met, I did mention to Mitch, it's so great to have both you and Mitch on the show today. And um, hopefully we can make this uh, more of a regular occurrence because I always enjoy the insight and, and information and, and wisdom that you provide when you appear at this conference. So we look forward to getting you back here again soon. You know where I am. <laughs> Thanks, Martha. That's Martha Otten, Executive Director of iGaming Ontario. Uh, Paul, maybe get you in here for one one last question. Uh, and I did talk with the rest of the panelists about this. The one one word I've heard uh, several times over the last two days is Alberta. And uh, you know, I, I've been asking those same people, like, is this wishful thinking, or or is there something behind this? And I'd like to end the show by just getting your thoughts on uh, maybe what's next beyond Ontario. Well, I think a lot of provinces that we've talked about before are still are looking and evaluating and seeing what's going on. I think what we've also, now with a new government elected in, in Alberta, not even Daniel Smith was re-elected, she hasn't been premier very long, and really now has an opportunity with a four-year window to put her stamp on the on the province. That um, it's um, a real desire out there to start to see what they can do to, to create jobs and create opportunity. And that's really where um, I think they've recognized and seeing what's happened in Ontario, maybe we should be looking at this a little differently and getting on with it. I think it's early days. I think that there's, obviously there's a large gaming stakeholder community in Alberta that needs to be involved in that. And that's why, as what we've said to all governments, if you want to start, we're happy to help you and bring the industry for consultation and talk so you can ask your questions and more. So that's how Ontario built it. So they went out and they asked and they listened and they acted based on what they heard, and that's and that's what that's what made the success and the early success. And so that's it's a huge part of that is being able to listen, and understand the industry because every market has a few nuances to its own and they're, they're that dynamic, and they need to understand and, and listen. And the, you know, from their casino operators to any you know, horse racing industry, everybody in Alberta, there's a lot of. Uh, stakeholders that, that we want to be part of building and growing our industry. Um, and so that's what we hope the government will do. One, one final question. Uh, any, uh, any word about the AGCO and when we, we might have uh, some kind of announcement with them with regards to the, the standards around advertising? No, I, I mean, we were, the CGA was quite clear in our response was to, we would actually like to, um, the AGCO to start a working group. So let's identify the issues we want to solve. Let's do some research together. And then we'll act on what that research says. Evidence-based policy decisions are good ones. And that's what we want to see. And we have been actively talking to the other stakeholders in the sports betting uh, community, the broadcasters and leagues. And they're willing to come to the table. And they've said to us, yeah, we'll do this. And so 
Um, we want to make sure the so takes advantage of the opportunity. We got everybody here wanting to work together. Let's work together. Well, I know you're a really busy guy, so I do do appreciate you stopping by, and and hopefully, uh, hopefully there's a recliner and some television and uh, a nice a nice relaxing Thursday evening for you. Um, I only have a few meetings tomorrow, and it's uh, I don't have to travel. This is the best part. My commute home is 15 minutes, so it's I'm. Uh, uh, it's been a good week, and it's been a fun week. So it's uh, now I got to do all the follow-up. Always appreciate your time, Paul. Thank you. That's uh, Paul Burns, president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association. We're going to wrap wrap it up there. Uh, thanks to Benji Cherniak, Amanda Brewer, Dennis Allgreen, Nick Sulski, Mitch Davidson, and Martha Otten for for just a, a great show. Appreciate them dropping by our homestand sports Canadian, uh, gaming news Canada booth here. Uh, that's it for another edition of the Gaming News Canada Show presented by Osler Hoskin at Harcourt LLP. Uh, everybody have a terrific weekend and we'll see you back here in seven days time. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada Show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.